This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast, helping take your leadership to the next level. My name is Sam, and I'm joined by Richard Blackaby. Always good to be with you, Sam. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we were just talking before we hit record that uh, the Buffalo Sabres are still trucking That's along. What's trucking? Yeah, it's a it's, the a, it's a beat up old pickup, but they're trucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're still trying to work it work it out. But yeah. I tell you what, it's in sports of all kinds. It's amazing how you could be almost unbeatable one week and then just look like the worst team in the league the next. So Yeah, they're, uh, they're certainly uh, never a dull moment, it seems like, for no, the Sabres. Uh, no, but we moving on. Yeah. Well, speaking of hockey, uh, uh, we, we talked about this last, well, we we were planning to talk about it last podcast, but, but I actually forgot. You you met somewhat of a hockey legend in Canada yeah. when you were in Toronto recently. Yeah, and it, I mean, of course, I'm a, something of a hockey legend in my well, own mind as well. well but I mean, we another hockey yeah. legend. Another one. Uh, yeah, Two no, legends. Actually, I, I was actually speaking in uh, Toronto last week and uh, was in a, a meeting with uh, Paul Henderson. And anyone of my vintage... Uh, we'll, we'll always remember Paul Henderson scoring the winning goal that won the uh, Team Canada the 1972 uh, series against the Russians. And uh, on many levels, that was uh, just an amazing tournament. It was, uh, of course, one of the very first tournaments where North Americans were playing against the Russians, the Soviets, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, when the wall was still up and uh, in, as uh, in foreboding as, as ever. But uh, so it just it wasn't something that was done, and the Russians uh, used all kinds of tricks. Uh, they were very dirty players back then. They would they would jab you with their stick or do something kind of dirty that the ref didn't see, and then these uh, Canadians would just just drop the gloves like, okay, we're gonna have a fight. <laughs> and the next thing they knew, they were in the penalty box, and the Russians were on a power play, and they just they got under our in our head and our and. The refs were notoriously biased mm. uh, in what they called or didn't call, and so before very long, we what we thought was going to be a cakewalk, uh, we're down a couple of games and in danger of being embarrassed by these supposedly unprofessional Russian players that are beating the best players in hockey in uh, North America. But but we went to Russia for the second set of four games, and even with biased refing and everything else, they were bugging the hotel rooms and all kinds of crazy wow. stuff going on. But uh, but we got to the point where in that eight-game series, we had to win the last three games if we were going to win the tournament. We were down that bad. And uh, we won all three. And uh, Paul Henderson actually scored the winning goal, I believe, in all three of the final games. And so when he when he scored that winning goal, I, I remember uh, because the game was were in Russia, they were actually televising them in the middle of the afternoon in, in North America in the morning. And, and uh, I was going to public school at the time. And uh, the school actually brought in TVs, and we, we just didn't even have class. We wow. Everybody went into the gymnasium or the library, and we all watched the game. And I had only moved to Canada two years earlier than that. And I sort of marked that as when I truly became Canadian at, at heart uh, hmm. because you're watching this Team Canada coming back, and in just the dying minutes, Canada wins, scores the winning goal, and everybody is hugging. The principals are hugging students and teachers, and we're celebrating. And it was uh, truly, I, I think they say perhaps close to 90% of everyone in Canada was watching that wow. game eight, which is just 
amazing. That's I, incredible. So yeah, I was speaking and uh, Henderson was there and he came up as soon as I finished and wanted to meet me. And I'm like, hey, I'm your, you're my hero. I want to meet you. And so we yeah. did a selfie. And uh, since that tournament, he became a Christian and actually has led a, a, a wonderful men's ministry that spread all over the North America. And uh, now he's almost 78 years old now. But uh, still, uh, he's, he's battling cancer. So if you think about it and you, mm. you remember him, you might just pray for him. But really upbeat guy, really positive. And he would tell you, certainly at that point, he was the most famous, greatest hero in all of Canada. But, uh, but he would tell you even the more significant for him was when he found Christ mm. and uh, how, how God changed his life. So anyway, just to, for, you know, when you see some of these guys, you've always idolized as a boy and then you're he's coming up saying he wants to meet you it's like wow i've just died and gone to hockey heaven here <laughs> yeah well what what an incredible connection yeah uh and speaking of connections oh nice you segue. see what i did there you're Wait, getting it. better at that sam <laughs> just uh amaze myself sometimes <laughs> uh we did not uh, uh do we're not doing a podcast on hockey and and the finer points therein at least not yet but not yet we, it, it might it's, be i'm sure it's, it's if it's, buffalo turns things around it's we may just have a to sketch do right now but uh, <laughs> it, it, it may come to fruition uh but no today uh we, we want to look at what you're calling divine connections yeah. and so i just wonder if you could unpack that a little bit for us yeah well you know i've done a lot of read a lot of biographies we've 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 uh, highlighted a lot of those on this podcast yeah. and you know even when you look at the the most famous leaders, whether they're business, military, uh, a guy like J.P. Morgan, John Rockefeller, Henry Ford, Steve Jobs, obviously gifted, driven people in their own right. But you you never have to look very far to find that uh, every solitary one of them had some key lieutenants that uh, either made significant discoveries, they solved a problem, they they knew things that these primary guys didn't know that helped them be successful. Mm-hmm. And even the most talented, whether it's Steve Jobs or whatever else, you know, Jobs was not necessarily an inventor. He he just knew how to perfect things that other people had done. But he needed those other people to do the legwork and the hard engineering and so on. He could look and see stylistically, do we want how do we want to package this or whatever, but uh uh, but he, he he couldn't have ever done it. He could never build Apple unless he had key people with him. Yeah. And so what I realized as I was as I was looking at that, I realized the the, the most successful people are the ones who know how to tap into the talents and abilities and knowledge of others. Yeah. Uh, and and if you don't know how to do that, if you're just a lone ranger who just is going through business, going through leadership, uh, pastoring a church, whatever else. Uh, just strictly on your own ability, what you know, what you were trained to do, you're going to get to the end of yourself inevitably, and you're going to you're going to put a limit to what you do. But if you know how to tap into the skills and abilities of others, then there is no limit to what you can do. You can always pull in other people and uh, and learn more and yeah. and bring in new skills, new insights that you didn't have that lets you go further. And so the the key, I, I think, for this, I'm calling it divine connections because. I th- I, what I would suggest to you is that right now, if you were to do an audit of the people that God has placed around your life, I mean, it could be someone on your staff right now, could be someone who goes to the same church you go to, might be someone that's in a similar industry that is at a company in the same building you're in. Um, maybe they're just a Christian businessman or businesswoman in your same city that you, you've heard about, you know about. 
but someone that's accessible to you, if you were to reach out to them, uh, that more than likely, whatever problem that you are, are experiencing right now, God has probably put someone with the answer to your problem within your reach. Hmm. Uh, you may not even know them yet. You may just know of them. But um, the, the, the issue I want to address today is if you're struggling in some area right now of your leadership, more than likely there's someone that could help you that is yeah. within reach. The question is, are you going to access them? Are you going to reach out? Are, are you, have you built a, a personal network with such people uh, so that you can get the help when you need it? Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think so many of us will go through whatever social things we go to, uh, whether it's, you know, just a club, uh, if it's church, if it's work, if it's sporting, whatever. And we often don't really get to know those people around us. Yeah. And I think when we do, we're really surprised that, oh, you know, you're involved in this or you do this. And, and that's really fascinating because, you know, I'm having a problem with that or that is right up my alley, so yeah. to speak. And, and, and we just never really unlock that potential that's just within arm's reach uh, of our network. And and I wonder, uh, I, I think you've got a good example uh, lined up for us in Scripture yeah. of, of what does this look like and, and, and the potential uh, for someone to, to really unlock the power of the network around them. Yeah, you know, I was reading through Genesis uh, recently, and I was in chapter 40, and, you know, sometimes you read these well-known stories, and all of a sudden something strikes you that you hadn't noticed before. And in, in uh, Genesis 40, you, you kind of hit the, the low point in Joseph's life. He, he mm. has been betrayed, sold into slavery by his brothers. That certainly was a low. And yeah. then he, 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 he worked for Potiphar, uh, captain of the guard of, for Pharaoh, and he works really hard. He's uh, diligent, responsible, but then Potiphar's wife makes a pass at him. He does all the right things. He yeah. flees the temptation. He doesn't succumb. He wants to honor his boss, but then he's lied about and he ends up in jail. At that point, you'd think, okay, I've done nothing wrong, but here I am in jail. Um, and so I've got a choice to make. I can either just wallow in self-pity and, and complain about how unfair life is, or yeah. I can make the best of where I am at the moment. And so that's what Joseph does. And before long, the chief jailer puts him in charge of everything. And uh, so one day, the, of course, we, we, a lot of us have heard these stories from childhood, but uh, Pharaoh gets unhappy with his baker and his butler, and he puts them both in jail. And so one day, um, uh, in fact, verse 7, Joseph sees these two royal uh, servants in jail, and he says, uh, why do you look so sad today? Which I, I just intrigues me, because here's a guy who's had <laughs> nothing but unfairness uh, and he's in jail for as long as he, for I mean, as best he knows, the rest of his life. He's not even 30 years old yet, um, and he's in jail in his 20s at this point. Um, but he's upbeat. He reaches out to these new people, basically to get to know them. Uh, you know, he could have just sullenly just ignored the new prisoners, but he yeah. goes and meets them. He says, "What? Well, he, he's upbeat. He's smiling. He's trying to be encouraging. Uh, you know, why are you upset?" And they, of course, both tell him, "We've." Pharaoh sent us both here and so on. Uh, and then they, they've they ha each had a dream, and uh, Joseph interprets the dream for both of them. And then when he when he finishes with the, the telling them their dream, he says uh, to both of them, he says, but, but in verse 14, but remember me when it is well with you. Uh, <clears throat> and so 
basically, uh, especially to the butler that he told would, would soon be serving the pharaoh again, he says, just don't forget me, uh, which is very interesting because what, what Joseph is doing is he's networking in jail. Yeah. And you would think, <laughs> now, if you think about it, if, if you ever had to, if you were sent to jail unfairly and you're hanging out with other convicts, you're probably not going to be thinking, boy, I can probably make some great business contacts here. You know, I need to really network you, while I'm you here. You can, but, but <laughs> likely those business contacts will, uh, you, you'll circle back and, yeah. and, and you'll be Get right you back, back where you started. Again. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Joseph just had, and see, the thing that's interesting to me, I was thinking about this, if, if, uh, if he's in jail and he's thinking, how am I ever going to get out of here? What he's probably think I mean, what I would have thought is, well, Potiphar is my best guess because yeah. he's the captain of the bodyguard and, and I served him really well. And maybe his wife, if I, if I keep pressing, if I stay with him, eventually maybe his wife will confess that she lied. It's all, it, it's not true. And, and because or if, he's, or if his wife did that to him, she's probably going to do that to somebody else. Yeah. And and eventually... You, you just think uh, that, but I mean, that guy is well-connected. He's not in jail. He's still <laughs> out and about working with Pharaoh. He's, uh, so, you know, the, the odds are pretty good. If some, if, if any contact of mine is going to get me out of jail, it's probably going to be Potiphar. Yeah. But of course he never does. You never really hear of him again. But instead, here's a guy that's been thrown in jail, uh, a butler. And, but Joseph just has a way of just being pleasant, being upbeat around whoever it is he's working with at the time, whoever he's meeting. And, uh, and he just keeps on saying, just remember me. Now, Potiphar doesn't remember him, or if he does, it doesn't do him any good. Uh, the baker might have remembered him, but he ends up being executed for his crime, so it doesn't do Joseph any good. But this, this butler, and the butler himself forgets Joseph for two years. So two years goes by, and Joseph could easily have said to himself, you know, what a wasted contact. Here I, I took time to take down all of his contact information. You know, he promised me, you know, link up with me on, on LinkedIn and, and so on. And, but yeah. I've never heard from him. I never got any referrals from him. Looks like another dead end. And then two years later, all of a sudden when Pharaoh's having a birthday and, and he has a, a troubled dream one night, the guy remembers. And, yeah. and, and so by remembering Joseph, Joseph gets up one morning in jail just like he had for the last couple of years, all of a sudden, one of his contacts he's never heard back from remembers him, mentions him to Pharaoh. Pharaoh sends uh, some people to, to get Joseph out of jail. They shave him, clean him up, dress him up, and have him standing before Pharaoh later that day. And what that goes to show you is just how quickly one contact at the right moment, at the right time, can change everything in your life. You start out assuming you're going to put another day in, in, in maximum security prison. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're standing before the king and being made the second highest uh, government official in the land. Uh, and that's the power of divine connections. And so Joseph is an interesting study for me because it doesn't mean every connection you make is going to pan out. It doesn't mean that you're, you're going to always be remembered. But you don't know which ones will remember you and at what time they might remember you and when you might need that person. You mm -hmm. might never need that contact, but you, you made it, but you don't, you don't know which contacts you'll need, which yeah. ones will, will have something that can be helpful to you later. The key is just networking. The key is just getting to know people and letting them know who you are. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking about sort of a, you know, glad handing kind of uh, guys who we all sort of know those kind of people that work the room. 
they go to a Christmas party and they're make they're handing out their business cards to everybody yeah. and just being kind of annoying by being this big man on campus that wants everybody to know who they are and attention seeking kind of person. I'm not talking about those kind of people. I'm just talking about when you show up, just keep your spiritual eyes open. Yeah. And, and and get to know people and ask questions about them and, and, and meet them. Let them know who you are. And it just might be that a particular need you have, you may not even have that need today, but you may have a need a month from now. And it just so happens that at that Christmas party, you met someone that just mentioned that they do that kind of work. That's exactly what you need. Mm. And uh, so Joseph, of all things, networks in a maximum security prison, and it ends up putting him as the number two man in the entire country. That I mean, that's just a, it's a pretty amazing study to look at his life for so many reasons, and especially in, in the area of, of connections. Uh, let's take a quick break here, and we've got a few more things we want to sort of suss out. Whether at home, on the job, or in the ministry, we can all have a greater impact on the world around us for the kingdom of God. Join Richard Blackaby at the Billy Graham Training Center at The Cove to learn about increasing your spiritual influence on April 6th through the 8th, 2020. Space is limited, so register soon at the link in the show notes. Richard, I love that story of, of Joseph uh, that we looked at just before the break, and and uh, not only his attitude in difficult situations, but also uh, his ability to connect with people. And, and we saw how he, he, he was actually serving uh, those two servants of, of Pharaoh who were sent in prison and and turns out that, that that served him later on. Yeah. Um, you, I guess to, to bring this home to our listeners and, and to us, uh, why why do so many people not recognize those connections and, and, and not develop those more often? Because, you you know, as you say, I mean, I, I think any, anyone listening could, could maybe, you know, look through their phone or, or look on their social media and say, you know, I, I actually do have some, some pretty good connections. Yeah. Uh, and, and what are you doing about it? And so, well, you know, lots to say about that. One is just, and I think you make a good point. Joseph, the first time Joseph meets those guys, he's actually encouraging them. Yeah. They're discouraged. And then he actually interprets their dreams for him. So I, I know these kind of people that it, it's just like they're looking for a sale. They're looking to do business with you. They, they want you to help them. And, right. and you, you sort of get to know those people. They're, they're kind of working the crowd, looking for what they can get. Right. And if you don't, I'm not encouraging you to be that kind of person. I'm, Joseph was the kind of guy that the first two times he countered these guys, he's blessing them. He, yeah. he when, when those when, when the uh, butler leaves the jail, he's not done a thing for Joseph. He's All he's done is receive from Joseph. But because Joseph blessed him and helped him and gave him what he needed, two years later, the guy's going to finally reciprocate for him. So uh, be careful you don't just have your hands out all the time saying, what can I get from everybody? Right, right. Um, but at the same time, recognize when your path crosses someone that perhaps mutually you can help each other at some point. And, but, you know... Th- w- the the point you make is is something that just really bothers me at times because I just see so many people struggling individually when there are resources there there are people that God's put around them I see that a lot with pastors I can't tell you how many pastors will be discouraged ready to quit uh, they've tried what they can they can't turn their church around they have all kinds of problems and opposition but uh, th- there may be a dozen other pastors in their denomination that all are nearby in this in the same city 
And uh, some of these pastors may have been at it for 30, 40 years and have dealt with all the same issues, may even know some of the same people. Yeah. But uh, these discouraged pastors will not reach out. They will not reach out to a fellow pastor and say, hey, listen, could we do lunch? I, I've been going through a real tough time. I, I just love to bounce some things off of yeah. you. And uh, they, I mean, literally, there's, there's pastors who'd rather just quit and end their ministry than just ask for help. Uh, you know, I think that says something too, just about the, uh, just the weight of discouragement as well. Yeah, is that that that's I think something that if you get discouraged, the last thing a lot of times you want to do is ask for help, and and that you start to insulate yourself. Yeah, and an insulation is this the kiss of death. You yeah. know, we're basically because that's what we tend to do. We withdraw. We're embarrassed. Here, this guy seems to be having so much success at the very thing I'm struggling with or failing at. So, uh, last thing I want to do is tell him what a loser I am. That I I, I don't know how to do that. And so we don't learn anything. And and this guy was at the very same place we were a few years earlier, but they got answers, they worked it through, and they've got some wisdom now that they'd be glad to share with you if you just reached out. You know, I've, I've mentioned this before, but parenting is a huge one, you know? Yeah. I, and that, that just applies to everybody. And I mean, every parent at some point is gonna struggle with kids, maybe is when they're teenagers or at some point in school or with bullies or, peer pressure or they're starting to not want to go to church. What do I do? I mean, parents face all those kind of issues and in your church, in your workplace, uh, they're just all kinds of people who've been down that road already. And they've got some wisdom. They've helped their kids work it through. And I, I, for the life of me, I don't know why other like Christian parents won't just ask for help and just say, Hey, you've got teenagers. They all seem to be doing great. Like, could I take you to lunch and just ask you, how did you navigate your kids through their teenage years where they still love Jesus at the other end and, uh, and that they love you still yeah. as, your, as their parents? And I mean, I, why would you not? Why would you let your kids keep struggling when there's people that are, you have access to if you just ask? Now, most parents worth their salt are not going to come to you and say, hey, it looks like you're struggling right now with your kids. I'd love to, you know, mentor you. They're, they're not going to yeah. approach you. And you probably don't want their advice. Right. The ones you do offer advice <laughs> usually aren't the ones you want. Yeah. Uh, you know, it could be a young couple uh, or even an older couple, but you're facing a financial decision. You're trying to decide about maybe a real estate issue, investment issue. And and it's a huge issue that's going to affect your future. And you're, And so many people just try to use the Internet or they just make their best guess. And there might be a guy who's a financial advisor that would be glad just to help you walk with you or that's been down that road. And he, they did all the research just two years earlier. And you know, and there's all kinds of people that God may have put all around you that have answers that could help you. Yeah. But if you, if you aren't connected to them, you're not going to get the help that God's made available to you. Yeah. You know, and I think I, you know, we see this all the time and I think even in our own lives, we, we have a bit of this as well. It's just, the, the idea that you just have to sort of figure it out for yourself that, yeah. uh, you don't, you don't ask, uh, uh, for, for help from anyone. Uh, so maybe in, in closing, um, what would, what would you say to, to folks who maybe are experiencing a difficulty or a crisis or an issue, um, and they're just not sure who to turn to, how would you go about, uh, cultivating those connections? As you say, not, not in this sort of, let me give you my business card and, and how, yeah. can, how can you help me sort of way. Yeah. Uh, but, but genuinely, 
connect with those who are immediately around. Yeah. Them. Well, you know, I think you, there, there's some things that just hold people back. And I, 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 let me just mention four things that I think prevent people from making those connections. One that we already mentioned is just pride. You just get your pride aside and say, look, I'd rather my business, my church, my family was successful. Uh, that's more important to me yeah. than the, my ego that someone might know that I need help. Um, even the most successful business leaders, military leaders out there, they knew how to access what they didn't have themselves from right. other people. And th- there's, it, th- that's not called uh, humility. I mean, that you know, l- look at you, you need help. It's called wisdom. It means yeah. you're smart enough to know that there's things you don't know. And so I'm going to find someone that does have the answers and I'm going to get it. And I, I'm not going to waste time. I'm not going to spin my wheels for five years uh, trying to figure out answers that I could have gotten over a lunch meeting if I just humbled myself and reached out to someone. Yeah. So get, get your pride out of the way. Another is some people just don't cultivate networks. They just, they're, they're, uh, they just don't bother to meet people. They don't keep their eyes open. So th- they, they don't, and, and sometimes we don't have the need today. So we think, well, yeah, that yeah. guy's a financial guru, but I don't, right now I don't have any money to invest. So why, uh, why get to know him? Well, five years later, your aunt dies and leaves you some money. And now you've got no one to help you know how to wisely invest that because you didn't bother to take time to build a network. So whether you think you have a need or not, Right now, you, you may well have the need later. So get to know people. Keep up with their contacts. Uh, seek to be a blessing to people as you know. Be a delightful person. I just keep thinking of Joseph. These yeah. two guys have just hit rock bottom in jail. And here comes this smiling Joseph saying, why are you downcast? Uh, <laughs> you know, hey, let me let me encourage you. Uh, those are the kind of guys you remember later uh, and that you, you tend to want to help yourself when you have the chance. And uh, And third... Especially for Americans and North Americans, we tend to be very independent-minded. Yeah. We're the kind of the cowboy that just go, rides off on his horse alone, and he'll just face the whatever danger with him long, and his six guns. As long as he's got know. his bootstraps, he can. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and we get this sort of mentality: you're not a real man, or you're not really successful, or you're not a good leader if you have to actually ask for help and if you have to rely upon others. But uh, in this very networked uh, society in which we live now all of our expertise and uh, and various industries are dependent upon others and what they do. We're, we're all interconnected. And so there's nothing uh, humbling about that. It's just reality. It's just wisdom to recognize that and to say, okay, I'm good at certain things. I know certain things. It's not like I'm completely clueless, but, but I don't know all I need to know about that. I don't have all the skills I need for this. And so let me find and just build into my network people that are really good at that. Uh, you know, it's it's like yeah. I find when I move into a new community, when I moved to Atlanta um, several years ago, you know, you you, you got to get network. I got to find a mechanic because I'm not going to fix my own car. And yeah. who's who can I? Who's a mechanic I can trust uh, and that will charge me a fair price and won't gouge me and lie to me and. I got to get a doctor that I connect with. I need a dentist. I, I, I've got to get an accountant that helps me with some stuff. And, and so, you know, you, you just build slowly a network of people who have expertise that you need so that whatever comes along, you've got someone you can call, that you've got a relationship with someone. Uh, and mm. so be working at that. Build up a network around you and about, around your company, around your church, that um, when, when issues arise, you're not just 
flailing about saying, you know, I've had people, had people say to me, well, Richard, I did everything I knew to do yeah. and I failed. And I would say, well, the problem is you didn't know everything that you needed to know. Right. Your problem is you, you limited all of your response to the problem, to what you knew, not on what your network knew. Your network knows a lot more than you know. That's so. Right. Build a strong network, and you you'll know you'll be far more knowledge and skill available. And and the last is just uh, sometimes people are just sort of stoic and they're discontent. Okay, I've got all three of my kids are now drug addicts and in in trouble with the law, but I guess that's just kids will be kids, you know. Yeah. I'd say no. I I don't think that I had to I had to resign myself to that. I. I think if I'd gotten help, if I'd gotten advice, there could have been some things I could have done to intervene, to change things. Uh, you know, maybe my business could have done better if I had actually networked with some other business guys. Mm. I just, in Toronto, was just doing a conference for a lot of Christian business leaders. And, uh, you know, those conferences can be great because, it, and they built in time just to meet people in those conferences yeah. because they realize it's not just what you hear from the lecture, the plenary session that uh, people are giving. But it's what it's the people you meet during the Absolutely. coffee break, and so don't just sit there at your table and and check your emails. Yeah, go get uh, a, 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 a Nanaimo bar and some coffee, oh, and yeah. uh, definitely and, and meet somebody. And it might be that the whole point of going to this conference today, you won't learn a thing in the lectures that makes any difference. But the guy you were getting coffee with at the same time. You, you you exchange cards and a month later you're going to realize that's the very guy you need you know to that to that point i was just speaking with someone uh, a few days ago about our most recent coaching workshop which happened at the, the beginning of november mm-hmm. and and we just got to talking about how it 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 so often is the case that i mean you learn good stuff from the teachers at the workshop but but almost without fail every single one of those workshops the connections that these people make and learning from each other uh, seems to be the thing that continues to stand yeah. out to, the, to yeah. those who attend. And it's just incredible. So, you know, I, when, every time I go to a meeting, uh, it might be just at your church. Um, it, it, you know, it could be at, a, at a, something for your industry and you go to this meeting for a day, a seminar or something. I, I, I tend just to look around the room and, and ask myself the question, is there a divine appointment here today? Is there someone I need to meet today that will have answers I need tomorrow? Um, and, and so let me just leave you with that question. Take time to audit the relationships, the network that God has given you, the people that are in your orbit. Do they have some answers to some problems you're facing right now? Mm. And are you accessing them or are you trying to face all the problems on your own? Uh there's no reward for saying I, I solved the whole problem myself. I didn't ask for any help. There, there's yeah. no bonus for that. Right. Uh, the the reward is saying, boy, I tell you what, I searched the network up and down. I I got I looked for all the wisdom I could find from wherever I could find it, so I could bring the very best answers to the problem that my company, my church, my family is facing. And so if you don't have a network, if you've neglected that, it's never too late to start just saying, well, look around. And uh, you don't have to go far, and you'll realize that within arm's reach right now, the very people you need with the answers you need are around you if you'll just access them. I think I couldn't have ended it better myself, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.